Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. Thank you, Professor Bass. Would you all bow me the word of prayer? Eternal God, our Father, we ask right now that your spirit will invade this place, that you would speak, Lord, for your people are listening. Speak, Lord, so that your people may be edified. Speak, Lord, so that hell may be terrified. Hide your preacher behind the cross. Move in a mighty way. Convict, convince, and be convert. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise today. Amen. Come on. You can do better than that. Just give the Lord a hand of praise. Greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we are so grateful for the opportunity to share um, with you on this morning. Thank um, Professor Bass and the wonderful staff here at uh, Sanford um, for this opportunity to speak. Um, won't be before you long, because I do know you have to go to class. I want to look at a text in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 13, Numbers 13, and I want to read verses 31 to 33. Numbers 13, if you have your Bibles or your smart device, Numbers 13, amen. And it reads, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. This morning I want to share with you a thought, consequences of a self-inflicted wound. The consequences of a self-inflicted wound. For General Lee, it was Gettysburg. For Napoleon, it was Waterloo. For Hitler, it was Normandy. But for the children of Israel, it was Kadesh Barnea. General Lee lost because he was overmatched at Gettysburg. Napoleon lost because he was overconfident at Waterloo. Hitler lost because he was overextended, overextended in Normandy. And the children of Israel lost because they were overthrown at Kadesh Barnea. Each place marks a particular defeat, all because of a wrong perspective that was given to each leader. And one of the things that you and I need to understand is that one of the greatest obstacles that the enemy throws at us is he tries to get us to change our perspective. He tries to get our perspective from what we know about God to what we think about God. Satan's objective is to make sure that our perspective gets out of whack with God's will, God's way, and God's word. Because Satan knows if he can ever get our minds off of Jesus Christ, then we will become weary, wounded, and sad. 
you can talk back to me. He knows if we get our minds off of Christ, we become broken, battered, and bruised. He knows if he ever gets our minds off of Christ, we become frustrated, fragmented, and there will be friction in our lives. So Satan does all that he can do to get our minds off of the will, the way, and the Word of God. Matter of fact, if I was to look at life from man's perspective and not God's perspective, I would be in a world of trouble. If I looked at the chaos that's going on in our country right now from man's perspective, I would become frustrated. If I would look at the people who are hopeless, helpless, and homeless today, I would be, I would be frustrated. If I would look at how people um, are in trouble economically and banks have gotten bailed out and bought out and I still are trying to find my way out, I will become frustrated with God's perspective or with man's perspective. See, the interesting thing is this. I believe all of us as children of God has God's perspective, but when the minute that we have trouble, the minute that we have trials, the minute that we have tribulation, we lose God's perspective and we, and we tend to lie on man's perspective. And whenever we lie on man's perspective, we get into a world of trouble. And that's what's happening right here in our text. The children of Israel is now stop, are now stopped leaning on God's perspective, but are now leaning on man's perspective. Come on, you know, you know the children of Israel. This is the group of, of people who were enslaved by a pharaoh who knew not Joseph. They were in bondage for 430 years. They were, they were entrapped in a land that was not their own, but God raised up a deliverer by the name of Moses to lead them out of bondage. And under the authority of God and under the leadership of Moses, God sets them free and they come out of the land of Egypt. And God, and God, and God promised them that once they left Egypt, that they would have a promised land to call their own. They will have a land that he promised to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this promised land was Canaan. Now, Canaan is not heaven because a lot of people talk about what a good time we're going to have when we get to heaven, how we're going to put on our long white robes, how we're going to put on our new shoes, how we're going to walk the streets of gold, how every day is going to be Sunday and Sabbath have no end. Well, I've come to tell you, Canaan is not heaven. Canaan is the place wherever Christians are. And whatever Christians are, worship ought to take place. Because the Bible says where there are two or three gathered together in my name, we ought to have worship. The Bible says that the redeemed of the Lord ought to say so. So we don't have to wait for a band to have worship. We don't have to wait for an ecclesiastical order to have worship. Just the fact that we know that we are in the house of God with the people of God lets us know that worship takes place, and I don't have to wait till I go to glory land to worship God, because all I have to do is think about the goodness of Jesus and all He's done for me, and my soul cries out, hallelujah. So, so Canaan, Canaan, Canaan is not heaven, but it is the place where Christians are. So, so, so Moses is leading the children of Israel to Canaan land, and as he leads them to Canaan land, Canaan signifies the place of rest. 
And if you and I are going to experience God's rest, we have to be totally submitted. We have to be totally surrendered to the will of God, to the way of God, and to the Word of God. We have to be totally confident and totally convinced and totally committed to the God that never fails. So Moses leads them across the Red Sea. He leads them across the wilderness. He leads them across several uh, deserts. And now they're at a place called Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea is on the southern tip of the promised land. In other words, the children of Israel are on the threshold of obtaining God's promise. The, the thing that I want to bring to you today is that many of us are on the threshold of entering God's promise. There is a Kadesh Barnea for each and every last one of us, but if we're going to reach our promised land, we got to stop sitting in the premises and learn how to stand on the promises. The children of Israel are on the threshold of entering that land, the land that flows with milk and honey, the land that has grapes of extraordinary size, the land that has pomegranates that are nutritious, the, the land that it, where the soil is rich and fertile, the land that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are about to obtain the promised land. And the Bible says in Numbers 13 verse 1 that God speaks to Moses. And He tells Moses to send out some spies to search out the land. Now, if you are a Bible student, you will know that the Deuteronomic writer will let you know that it wasn't God's idea for them to send out spies. The people rose up and said, Moses, can we send out spies so that we can check out the promises of God? Isn't that peculiar? That we have to check out God's promises even though He's already told us what He's going to do. Isn't that strange that, that we, have to, we have to search out the promises of God to make sure that they are authentic? And the reason why we have so many people searching out the promises of God to make sure they are real is because I believe we have a lot of people in the faith who are converted, but they're not yet convinced. Oh, yeah, we, we're converted. We've got our ABCs down pat. We've accepted God. We believe in God the Father. We, we believe that Jesus Christ is His Holy Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, who was born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, He arose from the dead, and He ascended into heaven, and now He sits at the right hand of God the Father of, of Almighty. Oh, yeah, we are converted on the cross stuff. But we're not yet convinced that God can handle the chaos in our life. We're not yet convinced that God can handle the crisis in our life. We're not yet convinced that God can handle the conflict in my life. Well, I suppose, let me suppose to you this. If God can step out of nowhere, reach back into somewhere, and bring somewhere everywhere, if God can speak and worlds come into existence, if God can fling zillions of stars in the sky and they very seldom hit each other, if God can hang the sun and moon in the sky without a hook or a ladder, if God can produce a brown cow that eats green grass and produce white milk, if God can take my black soul, dip it in red blood, and make me white as snow, how come He can handle the crisis is in our lives. So God, out of His sovereignty, allows them to send out spies, 
12 spies, one from each tribe. And after 40 days of searching out God's promises, the verdict is in. We have the report. And it is a split decision. Ten spies come back with an evil report, while two spies come back with a good report. Isn't that just like the enemy? To always accentuate the evil, but always disvalue the good. It's not like the devil to focus on the evil and not the good. See, the evil report will always lift up problems, but the good report will lift up praise. The evil report will always, will always lift up junk, but the good report will lift up joy. The evil report will always lift up um, 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 sorrow, but the good report will lift up success. And the, and the consensus of the people is, we can't take the land. Well, let me, let me do this. Why is it we can't possess our promised land? Three things and you go into class. The first reason why we can possess our promised land is because we become diverted by the obstacles. Come on, wake up and write it down. You, we, we, we become diverted by the obstacles. Look, look at verse 31. It says, it says, it says, we be not able to go against the people. They said, we be not able. Well, I have news for you. They were never able. They were not able to deliver themselves from the hand of Pharaoh. But God was able to deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh. They were not able to deliver themselves out of Egypt bondage. But God was able to deliver them from the bondage of Egypt. They were not able to get across the Red Sea, but God was able to get them across the Red Sea. They were not able to get water from a rock at Resedim, but God was able to give them water at a rock called Resedim. They were not able to make the bitter waters of manna sweet, but God was able to make the bitter waters of Mara sweet. They were not able to feed themselves in the wilderness, but God was able to feed them manna and quail in the wilderness. All I'm trying to get you to see is that the God that we serve is a God that is able. And the reason why we don't possess our promised land is because we get diverted by the obstacles in our way. Child of God, I've come to tell you that God did not promise us a obstacle-free life that in this journey, we're going to have some obstacles in our way. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you claim to have. All of us will have some obstacles in our way. But God says, whenever there's an obstacle that is in your way, that's an opportunity for you to see that the God that you serve is a God that is able. He is able to make a way out of no way. He's able to open doors that no man can close. He's able to close doors that no man can open. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what you can ask or think. He's able to be sleep on a boat and calm a storm. He's able to open up your Red Sea. He's able to be an asbestos suit in a fiery furnace. He's able to give lockjaw in a lion's den. He's able to do whatever you need him to do. You need to understand today that the God you serve is a God that is able. The same God that brought them across the Red Sea, 
The same God that fed them in the wilderness, the same God that led them through the wilderness is the same God that is leading us today, right now. The same God that brought us up out of slavery, the same God that brought us through Reconstruction, the same God that brought us through World War I, the same God that brought us through the Great Depression, the same God that brought us through World War II, the same God that brought us through segregation, intimidation, and integration is the same God that is able to rule America right now. We serve a God that is able. Don't be diverted by the obstacles. If you want to possess your promised land, not only not become diverted by the obstacles, but don't become discouraged by the opposition. See, obstacles are things that stand in your way. But opposition are people that stand in your way. And you need to know that if God has put favor on your life, that you are going to encounter opposition. Matter of fact, I want you to tweet this correctly. The price of a favor is opposition. Y'all looking at me funny. Come here, Joseph. Joseph was favored by God, but he was opposed by his brothers. Come here, Esther. Esther was favored by God, but she was opposed by Haman. Come here, Nehemiah. Nehemiah was favored by God, but he was opposed by Samballot, Tobiah, and Gershom. Come here, Jesus. Jesus was favored by God, but he was opposed by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, and the scribes. I'm just letting you know that when you and I are favored, you better expect some opposition. And the opposition is this. They said, they said in verse 32, we saw that the men that were in the land were of great stature. Notice they said, we saw they're discouraged by the opposition. See, we get caught up in the external, but God wants us to get caught up in the eternal. See, the external is what you see, but the eternal is what you can't see. How many, how, many, how, many, how many young girls got caught up in the external? Some guy promised you the sun, moon, and the stars, and after you dated that, that, that brother, you realized that was your worst nightmare. Because we got caught up in the external. Come on, guys. How many of us got caught up in the external where we wanted to, to take a shortcut through the path of success and not do the work that we need to do and thought that that job th that, we, that was going to make us a whole lot of money um, did not, did not um, um, work out for us? There's a whole lot of folk in the inner city who's on the corner selling drugs because they're looking at the fast money instead of the, 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 the good money because they're caught up in the external and not the eternal. My Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's what you can see. But against principality, powers, dominions, and thrones, that's what you can't see. See, we're not wrestling with the Senate. We're not wrestling with the Congress. We're not wrestling with the new president. We're wrestling with some demonic forces that we cannot see. And if you've ever seen a wrestling match, let me see, let me see if I can help you. Uh, 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 back in the 80s, um, I, I used to watch WWF. 
before it became WWE, and, 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 and my favorite wrestler was Hulk Hogan, and, and sometimes Hulk Hogan would get body slammed by Andre the Giant, and sometimes he would get suplexed by, by the nature boy Ric Flair, and, and sometimes he'd get drop kicked, um, he'd get drop kicked by the macho man, but no matter how many times he was body slammed, drop kicked, or suplexed, until his shoulders was pinned and the referee counted to three, he, he did not lose the match. Some of us are sitting in here today, and we've been dropped kicked on a Monday, body slammed on a Tuesday, suplexed on a Wednesday, but I'm here to tell you, until the devil pins your shoulders to the mat, you are not going to lose, and before he ever does that, God will give you a power called the Holy Ghost to, to enable you to kick out in time. Don't be discouraged by the obstacles. Stop focusing on what you see. We're so concerned about what we see. We're so concerned about the injustice, the inequity, and, and the injustice. So concerned about the homelessness, the hopelessness, and the helplessness. Well, my, my Bible says that we ought not fret ourselves because of evildoers. My Bible says that my God shall supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory. My Bible says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So I'm not focusing on what I see. I'm focusing on what I can't see. Finally. If we're going to possess the promised land, can't be diverted by obstacles, can't be discouraged by opposition. Third thing, you cannot become disheartened by the outlook. Verse 33 says, we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sights as grasshoppers as we were in their sight. It's a self-inflicted wound. Nobody told them they were grasshoppers. They assumed they were grasshoppers. Their outlook was small. Their outlook was puny. Their, their outlook was pint-sized. Their outlook was petite. Because a lot of times we are insecure of who we are because we don't understand the God we serve. Once you and I get the perspective of how God views us, then we'll be able to do some amazing things. See, if you think you are small, you are small. If you think you're not smart enough, you're not smart enough. If you think you're not talented enough, you're not talented enough. If you think you're defeated, you are defeated. It all depends on the outlook, and most times we, are, we underachieve because we underestimate the God we serve. Well, the God I serve says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The God I serve says that we are a royal priesthood, we are a chosen generation, that we are heirs and joint heirs, that we are a child of the king. So no matter what giants are possessing the land, I know that if God is for me, he's more than the world against me, I can possess the land because God is on my side. You know what a giant is? A giant is anything that seems bigger than your God. A giant is anything that looms stronger than your God. A giant is anything that seems that you believe is more powerful than your God. A giant will seize your possession. A giant will block your path. And a giant will stunt your progress. And we got to understand that no matter what giants that we are facing in our lives, that we got a God on our side that is able to deliver us. They saw giants. They saw the Hittites. The, the, they saw the, Pez the Pezites. They saw 
the, the Canaanites, they saw the Jebusites, they saw all those ites, and they said that we were grasshoppers. The giants didn't say they were grasshoppers. They assumed they were grasshoppers. Some of us are sitting here today, and we got a grasshoppers mentality, and we got some giants that we're facing. We got a giant called difficulty. We have giants called delay. We got a giant called debt. We got giant called Sally Mae. We got giant called car note. We got giant called tuition. We got giant called book fees. We got all kind of giants in our lives. But I come to tell you, my hope is not built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and His righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. It's not the Senate. It's not the Congress. It's not the President. But it's on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Put your faith in Christ and possess your promised land. God bless you and thank you. You are dismissed. Go in peace. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.